think about who do you want to help? Who do you want to help? Because that's actually the most important thing in business is who are you helping? The more you understand the people you're helping, the more you care about them, the more you love them from your heart, you know, because there's got to be a good feeling. Then you naturally want to go the extra mile, you naturally want to serve. And then you can start thinking about what can you do practically to help them. That might be creating a podcast, it might be writing an e-book, it might be writing a physical book, it might mean doing a bunch of videos or an online course or coaching or whatever it is that you want to do. So you need to think about what do they need and then you create your content based on that. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio for Entrepreneurs. Fire start your own health movement. And now your host, founder of Juice Guru Institute and best-selling author, Steve Prusak. Hello and welcome to another edition of Juicypreneur Radio. I'm your host, Steve. It's so great to be with you because I've got one of my favorite people on the earth with us right now. My good friend, Michael McIntosh, he's an internationally renowned author of over 10 books. He's a spiritual teacher, entrepreneur, and mentor for thought leaders and game changers. He's perfect for the show because he helps next generation evolutionary leaders to reawaken their visions, unlock their genius, and systematically transform ideas into tangible income, impact, and freedom without stress, worry or confusion. Let's welcome to the show right now, Michael McIntosh. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here and for creating this show. And Michael, when I created this show, you were actually one of the first, I wanted you to be the first show and I'm glad it's happening now um, because this show kind of awoken from the conversations you and I have had through the years. So thank you for being here. And this is just going to be an extension of two friends talking that everyone gets to listen in on. (laughs) So I thought we could talk about your entrepreneurial journey, which of course I know, but Talk about a little bit what that journey's been like. Yeah, it's quite a wonder. Quite a wonder. It's such a beautiful journey. And I think we all have our own unique experience. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a bit unusual, like most people's actually, that I wasn't planning to be an entrepreneur. I'd never really had that intention growing up. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. In fact, my life was mostly drifting, as we like to call it, just drifting about doing whatever is going on, not really thinking what I wanted to do, not really taking initiative for many years in my teenage years. And I ended up feeling profoundly lost and depressed, actually, as a teenager, just doing drugs and going to parties and doing whatever other people were doing. And then after a while, I started realizing that the drugs don't work as the the song goes, and I was open to something else. And my mother was a meditation teacher, and she had been trying to get me to do meditation for years, and I was never interested. I used to see her going, waking up in the morning for meditation as I was coming home. I'd be coming home around 4 o'clock in the morning, and she would be getting up for her meditation. And we used to meet on the stairs with this funny, funny moment. And I knew that getting up early and and having a good life and a clean life and doing good things was better than what I was doing, going to bed at four in the morning. Mm. So finally, I I decided to start one of these 
classes with her. And at my first meditation class, I had a, such a powerful experience where I was literally pulled out of my body without realizing what was going on. And I had a vision of my future. And I never had anything like that happen to me before. And I could see into the future. It was a really profound experience. And I, I had to make a decision in that visionary realm of which path I was going to take. Was I going to continue down the road I was going or was I going to take this new path that had opened up, a path of peace, a path of success? And I made that inner choice. And then when I came back in my body, I really felt like I'd become a different person in some way. A very profound shift had happened. And then from that moment on, I started changing my lifestyle and started doing meditation and started to be of service to others, to share with others. And as I started experiencing more peace and more lightness and more joy, I was able to you know, impart some of those good vibes on other people just through my presence and through sharing things that I'd learned. And after a while doing meditation, I started thinking, well, this is, this is such a beautiful feeling, such a beautiful experience. But here I am, this you know, 20-year-old kid. Um, I was at college, and I didn't know what I was going to do afterwards, and I wasn't sure really where my life was going to lead practically. And I realized that I needed to figure out how to have a lifestyle style, a style of living that was aligned with me, because I saw many people who were spiritually minded, but they had these conventional jobs, maybe working in a real estate office or as a nurse or something like that, and that's fine, but they used to complain that they wanted just to do something else, and they had to go to their jobs, pay the bills. So I started thinking, well, what can I do that is enjoyable and pays the bills and something that I can sustain long term so that on my spiritual life and my physical life, they're aligned. They're not these separate things. Mm. So then I discovered about online business and the idea that you can work from home and help people all over the world and get paid for it. And I thought, this is absolutely a remarkable idea. This is back in 2004 where... You know, looking back now, that's, that seems like the old days, doesn't it, Steve? 2004, yeah. like almost like the Wild West. And that's that's around when we that's around when we became friends too, because we were both doing it. Yeah, exactly. So this is like way back in the day when this was an unknown thing. But some of us decided to give it a go. You know, why not? Yeah. You know, I think it takes that in, initiation and that that openness to just try things out. I think mean, that's really important to bear in mind that. Being willing to try something new, even if it doesn't work. I had no idea what I was doing. The first course I bought, I think it was called something like The Rich Jerk. Do you ever hear about that, Steve? The Rich Jerk? Oh, yeah. Who was that? Um, I have no idea who it actually was, but it was just called The Rich Jerk. It might have been John Colton, but um, it, it was well, there was nothing else really around. So there was this one yeah. thing, and it was a terrible, terrible thing. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's not my style, The Rich Jerk. I mean, that's oh. not what I wanted to do. But you couldn't find anything else about online business back in those days. So, you know, I had to take what I could. You know, we were trying to build websites, not, you know, having to learn HTML and all these. So it was really tedious back in the day. Nowadays, you just click, 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 and you have a website. Back in the day, you had to start from scratch and figure everything out 
from the ground up, and it was really very, very difficult. But, mm-hmm. you know, willing to try it out, create these really bad-looking, funny websites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. we started off with, with no idea what we were doing. Um, <laughs> also got into making chocolate and um, co-founded a, a chocolate company in England, which uh, I'm no longer involved with. But that, that, ch- that company has gone on to make millions and millions of dollars, pounds as it is in, in the UK, in mm-hmm. sales and millions of chocolate bars. It's a very successful company. So that was great to get that started and start the recipes and start the design and everything. But um, it came to a point where I, I left England, went, moved to Hawaii. I'm not going to get into how that all happened. But um, after that, I already started taking the online business stuff more seriously and bought a course. Back in the day, you know, we didn't have any money. And I just want to mention this because people listening might think, you know, nowadays, you know, looking at me and you, Steve, they might think, well, you know, you've got the money and you've got the success and you've got all these things and I can't do it. You know, that's often what people think. Oh, it's not possible for me. Mm-hmm. But um, I literally was living in a house with three other roommates and it was the equivalent of about $300 rent a month, which I think is hilarious. How <laughs> cheap that is. Um, I didn't have any money really. I could barely pay even that amount of money. And um, the first course I bought on internet business was something around, well, the first one was the rich joke, the other one was like $300. And that to me was like a really big deal because I didn't have the money. So we started off with nothing, with no money, no experience, no idea what we were doing. But what I realized over the years is that the key thing to success in business is to love and care for the people that we're serving, that we're helping. That this actually isn't mentioned in most of these courses for some reason. I think it's the most important thing is that instead of studying business, we need to study people and what they need and what they want and how we can help them. Because when we care about somebody, and we want to help them, and we're willing to, to do the work to be of service, to, to think about how we can make their life better, then they really appreciate it because most people don't care about anyone else. They just care about themselves, and they just want to make money, and they want to you know, screw people over, and they're not bothered about the consequences. But when they, someone meets a person who actually cares, who wants to help, it's so refreshing, and that's very attractive. And then it creates a conversation, it creates a, an atmosphere, it creates a relationship, a relationship, and that relationship then builds on itself. And then the money and the wealth and the, the success and all the rest of it come after that. Mm. So th- this is really what, what I've been doing in different ways for the last you know, 15 years or so, is just listening what people need, we've done loads and loads and loads of surveys. Like, what, what do you need? What do you want? Like, what, what are your goals? Because the more we understand people, the more we understand where they're coming from, what's causing them sorrow, what challenges they have. And then we can spend our time thinking, how can, how can we help them? What ideas do we have? What methods do we have? What can we recommend them? Even things that we don't offer, but what other things would help them? So that, that we help people make their lives better. And to me, 
being other people happy and joyful and peaceful is is a, it really is more important than the money. I mean, I appreciate the money. I like the money, but seeing someone change their life, going from disturbed and stressed out and lost and confused to feeling peaceful and joyful and relaxed and being able to have mastery over their lives, that change is so inspiring and that that's really when I go to bed at night those things that really light me up the most that make me feel like I'm making a difference in the world and I know because when we look back to when we were building you know as an entrepreneur there's always the struggle how am I going to pay the bills am I reaching people like what is the best way to reach them and like you said getting off I don't think I read the rich jerk but but, you well, know, getting just getting it. off, tr <laughs> but finding your voice too. A, a part of it. And I guess when you realized how important it is to serve, that it's not even about us. Well, that was an awakening as an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, it really is. I was actually having a conversation with one of my friends from Hawaii the other day, and she was asking me for some advice about business. And I actually told her that, ironically, it was when I stopped following the business gurus and I just started helping people that we started making a lot of money and helping a lot more. It's, so the funny thing is, even though I think studying courses can be useful, and I've definitely learned some things from, from studying, but in the end, we have to, like you said, find our own voice and find out what it is that we're uniquely good at, what our unique specialities are because each one of us every single soul in the world has at least one speciality one one quality one virtue something that we uniquely do and when we do it it really is of service it really helps people and there's oftentimes a lot more than one thing but we all have one main thing or maybe maybe two one or two main things and it could be Things like being cooperative, you know, that sounds a little bit abstract, but when someone is really cooperative and they're not coming from their ego and they're thinking, how can I be of service and what can I do to connect people? Or someone else might be really good at bringing people together. Or someone might be good at um, taking complex ideas and simplifying them. There's, there's so many different things, so many different souls. But when we find what it is that we're uniquely good at, and it, it takes a little bit of time to think about this, oftentimes other people can tell us more than we know ourselves because they see it really clearly and we're not necessarily sure. But when we find that thing, we start using it, then it starts to grow, and then other things come as well. It's almost like a flourishing that starts to occur. Abundance starts arising. So everyone has at least one thing. And I think this is one of the best places to start if you're starting a business is what, it, what can you do? What is it that you're good at that people praise you for that you don't even think about? That's always a good sign. If, if you do something and people say, thank you, thank you, thank you, I'm really, really grateful for that. There's a sign there that's something to pay attention to because whatever you're doing in that case, it might be worth looking at it and 
doing more of it. Mm. So this is just a, a good thing to think at the back of your mind. What is my speciality? What is my speciality? And we've talked about it, what's going on right now with, uh, you know, lockdowns in place in lots of states. Some of it's lightning, some isn't. But people are finding, you know, with the loss of jobs at a level we haven't seen in our lifetime. And, you know, but you could say that everything's falling apart or you can say there's a lot of opportunity now. Where are you on that? Absolutely. Yeah. This this situation with this virus has really shaken things up. And there's millions and millions of words written about how bad it is. And there's also the silver lining, the blessings in the curse. And how I look at it is that in life, and, and by the way, there's going to be other things that happen. I mean, this isn't like the end. It's not like the virus came and then left and there's not going to be any more problems afterwards. There's going to be more problems. And I think it's just worth bringing that to mind. I don't want to freak anyone out, but... It's it's good to be aware that this is a precarious situation and we live in a precarious world. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be more bizarre things happening if we're willing to be really radically honest with ourselves. And so we need to learn how to discover the secret benefit in situations. One of the laws of the universe, when we really study spirituality and we study life and we look at things very deeply, we realize that there truly is benefit in everything. Benefit in everything. And the skill is how do we discover that benefit quicker? rather than later. Because in retrospect, when we look back on this virus and when we look back on other challenging things we've gone through, you know, think about it, Steve, to yourself. Can you think of a time where where you went through a major problem, really, really difficult, you know, where you're thinking of giving up or you just like going through just everything was falling into pieces. But then as you look back on it, that turned out to be extremely important and really, really, really helpful. Can you think of something? Oh, I could think of a million <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. Well, I could think of one because, well, because I'm talking to you. And I remember when we first launched Juice Guru. And I remember at the beginning how hard it was. And I remember a lot of times just wanting to give up. And I remember even reaching out to you. You were in Hawaii on a retreat. Or no, you were in India, actually, <laughs> on a meditation retreat. And I, I track you down in India. And I said, Michael. I, I'm going to go back and be an occupational therapist because I was making over six figures a year. I had vacations, you know, all through the year, summers off. Why am I doing this? And that was one of those crossroads. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I remember. I remember that scene. I was sitting on a on a um, swing bench, swing in the sun on this retreat, looking over the mountains, and I was trying to talk, talk <laughs> Steve off, off the ledge. Go on, Steve. It's so, you know, easy, 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 you know, put the gun down, it's going to be all right. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it was quite amusing. Um, obviously, it wasn't amusing to you, but um, I'm glad that I could, could help you through that because, you know, you do great work, and I've seen the, the time and energy you've put into this over the years, and, you know, your heart's in it. And, I mean, I've had the same things myself sometimes when tough times have been tough in my business over the years, and... Mm -hmm. 
um, thinking oh, I should just give the whole thing up. But then I thought, well, what, what would I do instead, realistically? You know, what would you do instead? And I think right. when we think about it, when it's something that we we want to do, we started it for a reason, then these challenges actually help us to remove, and this is important to remember, they help us to remove things that no longer serve us. The coronavirus has actually, in many ways, helped a lot of people remove a lot of things. I've spoke to so many people over the last few months who've said they're relieved about this because of the virus. Because before it happened, they were charging around constantly, no time to themselves, driving here and there, here and there, going in and out of different shops and different things and eating food that wasn't good for them and just being in a state of stress. And now they're kind of stuck at their house. Of course, that isn't pleasant to be there the whole time. But then the benefit is a lot of people are eating uh, their own food that they make with love in their heart, which mm-hmm. is much, much better for our health to make our own food. They're spending more time connecting with friends and family, whether it's online or, or in person where possible. And, you know, they're thinking about what's important for them. They're reading more. They're getting more rest. I mean, a lot of people are actually healthier because of this virus, ironically. And a lot of um, situations that were un- unpleasant for people have been taken away from them. And now they're benefiting from those things. Mm. So on a physical level, I think, and all, the other thing I think is quite funny, I was in Whole Foods the other day and wandering around and they got all these people like following everyone and spraying the fridges and, and like spraying the handles and spraying the products. And it's almost, um, you know, humorous how over the top it is in Whole Foods. But at the same time, America and the world is is being cleaned, isn't it? This is like this major cleaning. So the whole thing is getting more more cleanly, more hygienic than it was before, which is good overall. You know, there's probably going to be less illnesses for other reasons because of that. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just giving a few things. But there's when we look into our lives, there's always opportunities We've been living in a world of, of profound abundance. I mean, America's economy just before this this happened was, was, as far as I understand, the best that's ever happened at any time in terms of the numbers. And um, that's remarkable. So now things are being scaled back a bit. There are some people who are, who are of course, um, living right on the edge anyway, so they're, they're the most affected. And of course, our heart goes out to them because I know what that's like being right on the edge. I remember not being able to pay my bills and not sure where my next meal would come from, you know, Mm -hmm. back in the day. So I understand that. And at the same time, what I personally found when I was in a similar situation was that those challenging times forced me to rethink my priorities and to go to a higher level. In, in my work and in my life and saving money and being more responsible. So when I have personally gone through these challenges, they've kicked my ass and have crushed my ego and made me think, right, what do I need to do to readjust myself to refine my life so that I can be in a better position? And so this virus is, is helping a lot of people to kind of make those adjustments. And, of course, it's unpleasant. I mean, I've gone through it. You've gone through it. It isn't enjoyable. 
But the benefit of it later on is that we end up with more savings, more money, more freedom. We have better health. So there's huge upside to it. And what we have to do in life is to learn how to focus, focus, focus is one of the most important things we have as human beings. Our attention, giving our precious, precious attention to the things that benefit us and benefit other people and move our attention away from the distractions, the relentless distractions and all the negative things that are basically a waste of time, pull us into negativity and fear and stress and anxiety and lead us worse into a worse place, worse than we were before. This is very, very important because the media, social media, and so much of, of the world is designed to distract us in a negative direction and the result of that is that we feel worse than we did before. And we're not none, none the better off for it afterwards. And this is something that we have to realize that it's in our control to decide where is my attention going to go. I've got a book here, which I've recommended to you, Steve. I don't know if you've read it yet. It's called The Attention Merchant. Have you read that book? Yeah, I've got the audio. Golden book. I highly recommend everyone reads that book. Just so you understand the massive system of attention merchants, that Facebook, Google, the, all the media channels, I mean, the whole internet is just run by attention merchants whose entire goal is to harvest our precious attention so that they make advertising money, basically. Mm -hmm. And all of that attention that we're giving to these attention merchants is at the cost, at the price of our own happiness and peace and our own success. So we actually have to learn how to wean ourselves off of that stuff and instead focus that precious attention on things that will ele elevate us and allow our lives to be more successful. Because as we focus our attention on those things, then we're moving away from problems and focusing on solutions. And solutions lead to transformation. So if you've got a problem, fair enough, we, there's loads of problems in the world, but focusing on the problem just makes it worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But we need to go, okay, fair enough, there are problems. I have problems, you have problems, the world has problems, there's loads of problems. Fair enough. What are we going to do to solve it? What can we do to make it better? How can we resolve it? So people who give their full focus to how can we solve the problem are going to be fine. They'll figure out a method. I mean, in America in particular, I love America. America has such a great worth ethic overall. It has such potential, so many wonderful systems, wonderful people. And, and so people who focus on solutions can solve pretty much anything. And America has done such wonders in terms of technology and systems and wealth. So people who focus on solutions are going to be fine. They'll figure it out. But we have to wean ourselves away from this wasted time on all these other things so that we can get the solution. Yeah, this is a wake up call like nothing else, because Michael and I used to talk about, you know, the addiction to social media and smartphones and where this was all going. And then 
this pandemic thing hit and it really has forced people to live in the now too. I mean, we, we've talked about the power of now and, and, and how either people are in the past or they're living for the future and they're not in the moment. Don't you think there's been a sort of urgency to awaken to reality? Absolutely. This is one of those things where we can't avoid it anymore. We, we have to discover what's actually important and what isn't. And living in this strange, altered reality that is the internet, because the internet isn't real. I mean, it is a real thing. But when you look at news stories or social media, it's not the same thing as our actual experience. I mean, me and you, Steve, I asked you the other day, do you know anyone personally who has the coronavirus? No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, and I also don't know anyone. And I've asked loads of people personally, do you know anyone? And, and they all said, no, I'm talking about people I know personally, like mm -hmm. people who live around here, like my family, clients, friends. Everyone says no. Then I went on Facebook just as a curiosity and I said, does anyone else know anyone who's died? And Facebook, I had hundreds of comments. It's a bit surprising how many I got. I don't use Facebook very much. And, and people say, yes, I know so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so, and people died. And, and so Facebook says there's all these people who've had the virus, but I don't know anyone personally and neither do you. No, or, or our parents, even my parents who live in a, old age facility, you know, an, a, a development old, I should say, not a facility, but an old age development in Florida and my, and my wife's parents who live in a similar kind of community in New Jersey, like these hotspot places and not one case in either of those communities or anyone that they know, except somebody in their nineties, somebody in their nineties, but, but that person had health issues as it were. Exactly. And, and I've heard a lot of doctors are being inspired to put things down as COVID-19 if it's another health issue. So, you know, it's a funny calculating system going on there with the numbers anyway. But the fact is that we don't know anyone, they don't know anyone. I mean, one or two people we hear like on the peripheral from, from third, third or fourth hand information. Facebook is all third hand information. Oh, I know so-and-so of so-and-so. I don't know if these people even saying this were saying people they know personally or people they've heard about on the internet themselves, you know, because that wasn't clear to me. So the point we're making here is that the internet, if you look enough for anything, you'll find something that you're looking for. So if you ask a question, somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that died of something, you know, at some time. But that's different from our own life, practically speaking. And what the internet has allowed to happen is that we can be aware of all the negative things happening in all the obscure places in the world that aren't actually related to us. And then we can start to get freaked out about it. And then even though we're wandering around our life's basically fine, we think it's worse than it is because we're aware of bad things in faraway lands or in faraway places. And um, this isn't healthy. It's not healthy at all. There's another book which is uh, well worth reading about this called Amusing Ourselves to Death, mm -hmm. which is a fascinating book. 
And it's talking about how the, the internet and television and, and the news and the entertainment industry is, has got so completely out of control that we're no longer connected to reality anymore. The, the, the guy was asking a simple question that we should ask again and again and again every day. Is this directly related to my life? Or in other words, can I use any of this information? So you go on the news, let's say you watch the news. We can ask, ask ourselves, is this information something I can use? And the answer in almost consistently is no, because it's, it's not useful information. It's just nonsense, most of it. And most of it is misinformation, disinformation, and you could even say propaganda, some of it. So we have all this junk information that isn't actually useful to us, and that's taking our precious, precious attention away from the things that we can actually do to make our lives and our community better. Because ironically, if the internet and television and all that were turned off, we would have to look around and say, well, where do I live? What's going on? And how can I make it better? And we would connect with people and we would make our you know, unique situation better, help our people around us, neighbors, friends, and it will be better. Mm. But instead of that, we're focusing on all these faraway things that aren't relevant to us that we can't do anything about. I mean, like, let's say someone dies of some horrible thing in, in Pakistan. I mean, of course, that's, you know, we don't want to have bad things happening to anyone. But what can I do about that? What can you do about it? What can anyone do about it? So if we're basically feeling disempowered about the world we live in. Oh, there's nothing I can do about that. This terrible thing happened. I can't do anything. This terrible thing happened. We start to feel that there's all these horrible things and we're, we're unable to be of service. We're victims of our world. But that's because we're aware of information that's not useful to us. Information is actually only useful when it can be applied in our life. So we've got a situation where we're bombarded with useless information. Most of it is negative, And the result of absorbing negative information is that we feel bad. And the result of us feeling bad is that we act in disempowered ways. And that ends up actually harming our life. So rather than the information helping us make our life better, it ends up making our life worse and doesn't help any of it get better at all. Mm. If, we're, if we're doing something and the consequence is we're worse off afterward, then we have to ask, what is that? Really, is that really the best use of our time? Yeah, I was wondering, like, if this happened when we were growing up, before the internet and it was the same kind of thing, well, then I guess it would have been just through the TV and radio that we would still experience similar things, although I don't think we would have been as distracted as we are now because it comes at us in all ends. It comes at these, these messages come everywhere. You turn on your phone or you turn on the TV or you, even if you don't have a TV, it's just everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. And this has been designed by these companies because every time we look at our screen, they're getting paid advertising dollars or they're making money off tracking our, our devices and where our location and there's various other ways they make money from our, our using this, their devices. 
So they want us to be looking at this stuff like over and over and over again so that they get paid. So there they are sitting in their Silicon Valley little, you know, white castles, marble, you know, castles on the hill, if you like, demanding that we spend more and more time on their services so that they make their millions and billions and trillions. And here's us feeling bad, addicted, stressed out, and as a result, wasting our time away from doing things that can actually make our life better and make us feel better. So th that's why, you know, what I personally do, and I, this has taken me five years to figure this out. I've been thinking about these things for, for, since 2015. And what I do now is I only check the internet or, or cell phone. So I have internet box, I unplug the Wi-Fi, and I put this, I've only got a cell phone between me and my wife, we used to share one, and I put, take it, unplug the internet, put the phone in this special little, little thing, and then into a box, walk out into the garden, and put it under a tree in a plant pot, and I only use it twice a week. So for five days a week, I'm offline, completely offline. And I feel massively better, more productive, more happy, more joyful, more free. I've created a wonderful garden. I'll show you some pictures, Steve. It's a beautiful garden with loads and loads of flowers and roses and jasmine and everything. And none of that would be possible if I was <laughs> looking at that, those things again and again and again. So all of a sudden, the whole world opens up and all these new opportunities open up. You can think clearly. You can feel better. You can take care of things around the house. Have conversation. I've got a landline so I can have conversations with people. So it's all much, much, much better. And I'm not wasting my time in negative stuff. So I'm more productive, happier, and more successful. So I, I think, honestly, that might sound a bit much for a lot of people taking five days a week offline. But, you know, I run a successful internet business, online business, and I can do that. So we have people working for us to take care of customers. But it makes a huge difference, a huge difference. So I highly recommend if, if people want to discover the benefits of this COVID-19 and, and start improving their lives, one of the most effective ways to do it is to turn off all that, all that negative stuff. And then you'll start thinking about practically what can you do to make your own life better than it is now. Some great advice on Juicypreneur Radio with Michael McIntosh here on the show. Eye-opening information. And I won't even go into the other directions because some of what I'm hearing about the technology is that they want to put tracking apps on all the phones so that with the coronavirus, they could track you and anyone you had contact with and all these other things that you hear. I mean, I've heard these in press releases here in L.A. And um not to mention the drones that are able to monitor heart rate, temperature, and things like that. Where does it get to be too much with all this technology, Michael? It's only going to get worse. You know, the, the aim, and this is something that the tech companies themselves have said, Mark Zuckerberg is a very, very key proponent of this. What they want to do is they want to give us um, chips, microchips in our body. This, This is a very inspiring thing for these companies. They want us all chipped up so that we can be monitored where we are all the time. 
And in Sweden, I don't know if you realize this, Steve, in Sweden, they're already doing this. A lot of people have already paid willingly to have chips put into their wrists. Did you, did you know that? I thought Sweden was like one of the few places that didn't do a lockdown. I didn't realize this about the chips. Yeah, they lots and lots of people, so they can open their doors with their with their hands because they got this chip that, that resonates with the locks, and they can um, pay with it. There's all sorts of stuff. So this is already happening. People are already being chipped willingly, thinking wow. it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Dr. Berg wants to put contact lenses in our eyes so that we are seeing virtual things superimposed on 3D world. So you might be wandering around in your house and you might look at your bookshelf and it monitors all the books and it says, and it'll have a little thing that pops up and says, oh, you've got this book. Do you know you could get the Kindle version of that for $2.99? Click here and get it. Or oh, you could get the other book that comes with this. And you start seeing all these other things superimposed on your vision. It's extremely intrusive. And um, they also want to monitor our thoughts. The, the aim, one of the aims of Facebook, Regina Duncan, her name is, who works for Facebook, she has been working on a program since 2017 to monitor our thoughts because as far as she's concerned, putting down the phone is too much of a nuisance. People should be able to send text messages and Facebook messages and WhatsApp messages and everything else through their mind. And they're working on this technology for the last three or four years. And mm. they're going to do it. So they'll be able to, in other words, they want us plugged into the internet 24-7 in our body. And then they'll be monitoring our mind as well as our heart rate and everything else. And this, I'm not making this stuff up as, you know, trying to free people. This is what they say themselves. This, you can watch videos about this from Facebook and from Elon Musk wants to do the same sort of thing. They're all into some version of connecting the Internet to our body and our vision and our brain, monitoring our thoughts. And they'll, they'll say it's for some other reason, like it's to do with um, safety, you know, you need to have it because otherwise so and so and so. And they'll have some other reason or, or they'll have it that, you know, ill people need it or people who are elderly need it or they'll have some, some reason for it that sounds reasonable to some people. And then this will start gradually becoming more mainstream and then people who don't have it will be penalized and might have to pay extra money if they don't have it or they can't fly on planes or there'll be some funny business connected to people who don't have it. Just like mm -hmm. if you don't wear a mask nowadays, you're seen as some sort of monstrous person. It's not just that. They, they did the same thing with the smart meters because we had one, we had it taken off our house um, because of the radiation and we just didn't want the smart meter. And all of a sudden our bills started going up and escalate. We hadn't changed anything. And so we'd contacted the, the electric company about this and, you know, they give you a lot of runaround where it just came to the point where we had to put the, the newer smart meter back on, not the old one that doesn't have the radiation because of how they were inflating the bills month after month to a point where it was just ridiculous. And, and there's no one you could reach out to. There's no one that can help. Yeah, it, it, uh, this happened to us, actually. We, we realized they swapped out our meter for a swap, smart meter when we weren't home. So we called them up like a couple of, like a week ago. 
and they they came and swapped it. We said, we don't want a swap smart meter. We want one of these analog meters that doesn't have radiation. And they said, all right, fair enough. So they, you have to pay money to get it done, and then you have to pay extra on the bill. Right. So they came when we were out again. We didn't know we weren't there, so we didn't see them. Came back, and they put this other meter on, and we went online, and it turned out, <laughs> so funny, they swapped the smart meter with a different type of smart meter <laughs> that we had to pay for. I, I just thought this is hilarious. It's like saying to somebody, I don't want any cocaine. So they say, sure, we'll take away the cocaine and give you crack instead. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, and we had to pay for it, you know, so we're going to have to call them up again and say, take off the second smart meter and put the meter on that we want, you know, the, the one that doesn't have all the radiation. So, and the 5G, of course, this is a whole nother, another topic. We don't, the thing is, why do we need to be plugged into the internet, absorbing all this ridiculous information that's bad for our health, bad for our brain, weakening, un unrelevant to us, wastes our time. And there they are rushing to give us faster internet and more of it, more and more and more. It's very, 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 very suspicious and extremely unhealthy. And the more you unplug and realize how much better your life gets, the more you see it for what it is. Yes, that's so true. It is sort of like The Matrix, that movie, The Matrix, if anyone's seen that, where you're able to see, or that movie, They Live, that came out in the 80s, where you put on these goggles and you're able to see who's really running things and the messages that's in the advertising. And that came out in the 80s. But it is the same kind of thing. When we unplug, we start, we get the truth goggles, don't we? We really do. You start to, you start to see things more clearly when you get away from it. You can't tell. It's like the frog in, in the pot, you know. It's, you put the, put the frog in and you gradually turn up the water and the frog thinks it's all fine, it's all fine, it's all fine. It gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. It doesn't jump out because it adjusts to the temperature. And then it reaches a point where it's a dead frog been boiled to death and we are those frogs in the pot and it's just being turned up very slowly and we sort of adjust a little bit adjust a bit more adjust a bit more but it's it's causing mental illnesses the the who says that the biggest two biggest problems in the in the near future are going to be mental illness and psychosomatic illness And this is, I, I believe, largely based on excess amounts of internet and cell phone and social media and too much information, information overload, negative information being being absorbed into our mind for eight hours a day or more, mm. days after days after days. Of course, this is going to have an effect on us. Just like if we watch a scary movie at night and then you have nightmares, there's no doubt it has an effect on us. If you listen to a song and it gets stuck in your head, that's having an effect on us. But when this mm. is going on for eight hours a day, day after day, week after week, year after year, it starts to really mess with our heads. And a lot of uh, teenagers, are, especially the teenage girls, are suicidal because they're comparing themselves to everyone else and unfavorably. Then they're never good enough and they're never as cool as the other people on social media. I think there's no point. They get bullied. And they take their own lives. Mm -hmm. It's just shocking. So we don't need it. I, I personally, 
my style nowadays, because I've really thought about this for five years and I've been doing a lot of research about it. The 2005, roughly 2005 technology, I think is good enough. That's my rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Because 2005, I'm not, I'm not saying it's like a magic number or anything, but we had cars, we had GPS, we had, you know, you could watch DVDs if you wanted to watch a good film. You could pick it out consciously, not be, you know, forced to binge watch it on Netflix or whatever it is nowadays. We had all these different things, but it wasn't in our face all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just become more and more and more in our face, more and more and more addictive. And we have to remember that these tech companies are masters. I mean, I give them, you know, 25 out of 10 for their level of genius. Do you know what I mean? They are absolute geniuses at gleaning attention, harvesting attention, getting people addicted, making us feel that we need it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in terms of, mastery, because I'm a big fan of mastery and doing things really, really well. In terms of mastery, these people, Facebook in particular, absolute, absolute geniuses. The problem is they're evil geniuses that are causing a lot of harm rather than a lot of good. But you've got to give it to them for being good at it. You know, I appreciate (laughs) anyone who's good at anything. Do you know what I mean? I think, God bless them. (laughs) No, I mean... Julie, Julie got to the point she deleted her Facebook app. She couldn't take it anymore. And mainly it was about the division too. the there's a division happening on social media like never before politically and whatever the stance is on what's going on with the pandemic and the stay at home. And some people are saying stay the hell home and some people saying, you know, you're going to get people sick if you go outside your door and there's a lot of anger and I'm sensing it in the streets too. I was driving my car and people honking and a lot of anger everywhere I go. And I'm wondering if that's related to all this social media war going on too. It's, it's, it's destroying people's peace and it's destroying their common sense. And it, it literally becomes mob, mob mentality. And whenever you've got a mob involved, you, you, people aren't thinking for themselves. They're not thinking rationally and calmly and logically. This whole situation, this pandemic, has not been dealt with rationally. It's been based on mob mentality. There's a mm-hmm. huge amount of of non-sensible, emotionally-based, emotionally-driven decisions. You know, of course, we want to feel good, but... We need rational, clear thinking that actually makes sense. And that requires a, a certain peace of mind and a certain freedom to think properly. And when you're in the mob, being brainwashed constantly and being told you're an evil person and being told you have to do this, and then it's no longer rational. It's just this mob rule. It's like a bunch of people mm-hmm. trying to lynch somebody or people with their, like, coming after people in the middle of the night with their their, you know, their, their lamps, you know, mm-hmm. a whole mob, you know, burning down someone's house or something. So this is the sort of thing going on. This is the atmosphere online. Mm-hmm. If everything was just stopped, people would calm down. They'd look around their house and they'd think, well, maybe I should just clean, clean up my house and, you know, take out the trash and take care of a few things and, you know, clean this. And they'd start focusing on sensible, practical things. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, where they're being whipped up into a frenzy. And the reason for that is because social media has algorithms that promote 
content that gets more engagement. And they've figured out the content that gets the most engagement is primarily outrage. Outrage is the number one type of content that social media prefers because it gets the most engagement of all. So good feelings, content that creates good feelings, does not generate the same amount of of engagement and shares and likes and clicks and whatever else as outrage. So social media is sort of an outrage machine that is designed for outrage. That's why Julie's saying all this nonsense, because it's designed, I'm not sure they do it on purpose, but basically the algorithm says whatever piece of content is trending and gets more engagement, more people looking at it, more people clicking on it, that's what the algorithms push to the top. So you see that on your newsfeed. That's how it's designed. And it just so happens that outrage is the thing that gets the most engagement of all. So we end up seeing more and more outrage, which means we see more outrage because outrage works and you see more and more and more and more and more. Then people get addicted to outrage psychologically and physically. Then they see more of it, more of it, more of it, more of it. And then you start craving outrage and it's turned into this, this absolutely absurd and actually dangerous situation based on essentially nothing because it's whipping people into a frenzy that they really don't need to be in. Being observant, staying aware, turn on, tune in, unplug. We're here with Michael McIntosh. Michael, you know, this is important. We're talking about growing your own health movement, reaching more people, living your passion, living a life of freedom. This is the time for that. Anything to say in closing to those that that are new to this, that want to reach more people, that have a message, what advice would you have for those just starting out in all this? I think the number one thing is to actually, like we were saying here, take a bit of time offline. The reason I'm saying that is because then you can think for yourself, create some time. We need time, time and attention to do new things. Anything new takes energy, takes concentration, takes, you know, passion deserves time, deserves energy. And so it's worth taking a bit of time out so you can think for yourself and you can focus on other things apart from the outrage culture (laughs) that we're dealing with. So that's going to help you to start to focus your attention in a different direction. Then once you've done that, start considering what is your speciality? What do you like to do? What do you enjoy doing? What brings you joy? What what do you do that allows other people to feel good? When when you've been praised for things, when people say thank you, what are they saying thank you for? What do you do that makes people happy? These are really important things to consider. And then think about who do you want to help? Who do you want to help? Because that's actually the most important thing in business is who are you helping? The more you understand the people you're helping, the more you care about them, the more you love them from your heart, you know, because there's got to be a good feeling. Then you naturally want to go the extra mile. You naturally want to serve. And then you can start thinking about what can you do practically to help them. That might be creating a podcast. It might be writing an ebook. It might be writing a physical book. It might mean doing a bunch of videos or an online course or coaching or whatever it is that you want to do. So you need to think about what do they need and then you create your content based on that. 
And once you really care about people, when you put content out, they really appreciate it because instead of it being this endless outrage, nasty, negative stuff that surrounds the internet, finally, you've put something out there that's a ray of light, a ray of hope, a ray of good feelings. And so those people who you're here to help are extremely grateful to have received your wonderful work. So may you have a beautiful business and feel really good about it and help those souls who need you to step up and shine. Michael McIntosh right here on Juicy Printer Radio. Michael, what's the best way for our listeners to follow the work you're doing? Probably the best way is to go to our one of our main websites, Awakened, A-W-A-K-E-N-E-D, Academy. AwakenedAcademy.com and then you can access all sorts of free courses and emails and podcasts and whatnot from there. Well, he's doing incredible work. Michael, we definitely want to have you on the show again. There's so much we could have talked about today, but we'll have you back again. Thank you so much for the work you're doing and thank you for being here. Thank you, Steve. Keep it up. Stay happy. Always a joy to connect. Much love. Uh, Michael McIntosh on Juicy Pro Radio. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio for Entrepreneurs. Visit JuiceGuru.com to learn more and start building your health empire today.